Today we're going to talk about how to fight fear. Now, who loves fear? Hands? No? It's one of the unpleasant emotions, isn't it? Because emotions are kind of cool, right? The other ones, you know, joy, all kinds of things like that. But fear is usually one that is not our favorite. Um, and so today I want to talk about how to fight fear because often the fear that we're experiencing is fear that holds us back from being all that we can be and all that God called us to be. You ever felt that? You know, fear keeping you from moving ahead to what God made you and what God's called you to be? <clears throat> but I want to point out before we get to that, fear is not just blanketly a negative thing. There is actually a little bit of purpose in fear. And I'm going to read you the definition. It says, fear is a distressing negative sensation induced by a perceived threat. It's a basic survival mechanism occurring in response to specific stimulus, such as pain or the threat of danger. In short, fear is the ability to recognize danger leading to an urge to confront it or flee from it, also known as the fight or flight response. But in extreme cases of fear, terror, a freeze or paralysis response is possible. So God, as far as our emotions go, because God gave us these wonderful emotions, there are times that the way fear is supposed to work is it's supposed to be like a little signal. It's supposed to be an alert that kind of tells us, oh, danger, you know, like um, the old, what was that, lost in space, danger, war or, you know, warning, Will Robinson, yeah. So kind of, it should be, it should <laughs> danger, danger, the, that was what the robot did. Anyway, <laughs> it, when it's working properly, it's supposed to do that because that's a good thing, right? We're like to be alerted when something is not good for us. The problem is, is that oftentimes we have fear where it's not rational and it doesn't measure up to the circumstance. And when that occurs, then what happens is it, it keeps us from moving forward. The other thing, we're going to actually look at when fear is based on reality and when it's not based on reality and what to do about it. Okay, so let's go to uh, Luke chapter 8. And if you have the version Bible app, uh, the teaching is on there for today. You just have to do a little search uh, for searchlight, haha, <laughs> uh, search for searchlight <laughs> under live events. And all the scriptures for today will be there. You can take notes um, on the teaching, or you can actually take notes in your program if you're old school. Um, so anyway, let's look at Luke chapter 8. This is an example of a situation where there was fear that it was so not based on reality. What happened is, you, you might have heard, this is where Jesus had healed the man that had all the demons. And in verse 35 it says, Then they went out to see what happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. So that's a horrible thing, right? No, it's a wonderful thing. This is a guy that was demonized, that was living in the tombs. It's, it was a his life was destroyed, and Jesus healed him, and he was clothed and in his right mind. So this should be, right, a time for celebration and excitement of um, seeing the power of God at work. But what happens is it says, and they were afraid. How crazy is that? They're afraid of something where God has healed somebody. Somebody got delivered, set free, healed, and they're afraid of that. Now, what happens oftentimes with fear is that sometimes when 
it, it turns things around where good is bad and bad is good. Where we're accustomed to th things a certain way, and that's what feels comfortable, and it's really hard to shift that. Sometimes, have you ever noticed, you could be in a terrible situation, but it's so frightening to change to do something else. It's kind of like you don't know, at least you know, if you're in misery, at least you know what the misery looks like. You know, where it's hard to, to move forward because you don't know. That's how paradigm shifts kind of work. So it says, they were afraid in verse 36. They also who had seen it told them by what beings he had been demon, he who had been demon possessed was healed. They said, this is how he got healed. Jesus healed him. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. They kicked Jesus out because they were fearful because they saw something they didn't understand. Wow. So you can see how fear holds us back sometimes from things that we need desperately that are good for us, that, are, that you know, it kind of good is bad and bad is good. Wow, it's just crazy. Okay, you know, it's kind of funny because we had, I mean, just to give you a for instance, and you probably, you know, like people in relationships sometimes, they have a bad relationship experience, right? And then they go, a man hurt me, all men are bad. Do you know? Like all of a sudden, it's, it's not that man that hurt me, it's all men are bad. That's not really reality. It's, there's not, men are not to be feared, all men are not to be feared. You know, it's just you had a bad experience and you're linking it together with the person's sex as opposed to the fact that that person was a, maybe a hurtful or destructive person. Same thing with, um, we had a guy that was afraid to come to church because the chairs were the same as some other place he had been that people hurt him. And he's like, oh, this church must be like that church that I was hurt in because the chairs are the same. Now, that doesn't really make sense, but we've all experienced this, right? Everybody, to some degree, has experienced, I'm reacting some way in a fearful way, and it's not really logical. It's not making sense. Do you know what I mean? It's not measuring up to what the circumstance is. Another one, just so that you can be thinking about how this works, um, and we'll talk about how to, how to fight this, but is sometimes people equate commitment with being controlled. Have you thought, you know, like, commitment is something that you choose to do. You make a commitment, you make a promise, you're faithful to something, and a lot of times people connect that to being controlled. Well, if you're a grown-up person, there's no such thing as being controlled. I know it's hard to recognize that, but unless you're in prison or unless you, you know, been taken hostage or something like that or somebody kidnapped you, there's no such thing as another person having control over you. As adults, it's hard to recognize that. We, we relate to things as being controlled, but as opposed to the freedom that we get to make choices. Um, let's take a look at Luke 8. We're going to look at a situation of fear where the, the situation in reality made sense to be fearful based on the circumstances. In Luke 8 and verse 22... It says, now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples. And he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. This is Jesus and his disciples. And they launched out. In verse 23, but they sailed, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they, were, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. Would this be scary? The boat's going down. 
Not crazy to be a little bit scared here, maybe even a lot scared, not crazy at all. So then it says uh, in verse 24, then they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. We're going to die. Because it kind of looked that way. Not, this is not crazy thinking based on the circumstance. Then, it, he, uh, then but he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying one to another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Now, here's what's really wild, because there are circumstances in life where the fear emotion kicks in, and it's reasonable because it's supposed to alert us to danger, but the missing ingredient is faith. So, because God is bigger than our circumstance. That's a piece of the reality. We want to embrace reality, right? God is powerful and wants to take care of us. That's bigger than the ship going down. So, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about this. So faith, it says, faith is the antidote to fear. So the goal is faith. That's why I've been doing faith factor. So the goal is faith. Now, we've talked about the fact that the Bible in the, in the book of Acts, it, it says that there's five things that build faith. I'll, I'll tell you, but we're going to focus on one. Uh, prayer builds faith. Fellowship, which we're doing. Good for you. Um, uh, the um, Sharing your faith with other people builds faith. Um, and giving financially builds faith. And the word of God builds faith. We're going to focus on the... the the, the word of God and how it builds faith. Because there's some things you can do starting today that can change things right away for you that I'm going to share and, and see how it is that the word of God builds faith. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing God's word. So I want to really take a look at that because that is, I'm going to show you some things specifically because it's interesting because definitely reading the word makes a difference, spending time in the word, but hearing it is really powerful as well. Um, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 and we're going to see another one as far as how God's word helps in this. Ephesians 6 and in verse 10, it's talking about the, we're not going to read the whole section, but it's talking about the armor of God, famous section of scripture. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, that our strength is to be in the power of, the, of his might. And then it says, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles or schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of, the, of this age, against, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So this is talking about the devil. The Bible says that the devil is the god of this world right now. He's running things, and he is invested in separating you from God. That's his number one thing is to get people away from God because that's where there's power. So it's saying that the armor of God and why we need it is to stand against him. It says that he's also our, our adversary that, that walks around seeking who he may devour. Um, like a roaring lion, it says, like a roaring lion. So that's what we need this, this for. 
And it says in verse, we're going to look at just a couple of items of, the, of this armor. In Ephesians 6 and verse 16, it says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So a couple things. Shield of faith. So the reason, one of the things faith does for us, it shields us from, it says, the fiery darts of the wicked one. What are the fiery darts of the wicked one? Fiery darts. You know, think about this. This is the devil's attacks. The devil mostly attacks you in the mind. That's the biggest, ba the biggest battleground of the spiritual battle is in our minds. That's why we're doing this whole brain makeover thing at the summer retreat. Fiery darts. The devil is also called the accuser. And guess what one of the big things Satan tries to do is tell you things about you, that you're not good enough, that God doesn't love you, you don't deserve it. Why would God be there for you? You don't deserve it. You ever, ha you know, recognize some of those thoughts? I'm sure nobody's thought that, no. It's, he's the accuser. This is how the devil works, is trying to put doubts in our minds that will pull away from God. God doesn't want to hear from me. I haven't been to church very much. God doesn't want to hear from me. I've been sinning too much. You know, that kind of thing. How many times do we think people like where the devil gets you to think you got to get it together before you even come to church, before you come to God? i got to get back on track before I can come before God. Like, what the heck do we need a Savior for? That's not what the Word of God says. God's Word says that Jesus paid the price that we are undeserving, but Christ paid for it. It's by grace, not of works. So these are lies. These are accusations of the wicked one. So think about how the shield of faith, how that protects you. So the whole goal of ha building faith is that it's a protection. So after, as you build faith, build faith, it's like the, the darts don't get inside. You know, where, they where you hear it and you're going, oh, that's not reality. I know God's word. But we, it's interesting because we've got two, I want to focus on the shield and the sword in this. Because if you were going into battle and, you know, in the uh, armor of God, everything that they speak about except for the sword is, is defense. It's sort of like protective gear, you know, a helmet, you know, breastplate of righteousness, your feed shot with the, uh, shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Everything is sort of like the defense, protection mode. The only aggressive one is the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Would you rather go into battle with a shield or a sword? Just asking. If you got, if you got to pick one of those, a sword. <laughs> you at least have a little bit of a chance with the sword. You know, you walk in there and there's no, there's no sword and you're just like, oh, sure, okay. They can't hit you with the shield, but it's just sort of they could lop your head off maybe. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, really, like, just stand there like a target. You just sort of... so. It's the only, you know, offensive, aggressive part of the armor of God. Now, it's interesting because it says that it's by the word of God that builds our faith. So it's kind of like, so knowing this word helps to build the shield of faith, 
But I want to show you, because I want to talk about those fiery darts and those accusations of where Satan's planting things in your mind that fill you full of fear and hold you back, and how to use a sword. This is like, you know, this, this is your spiritual weapon here. It's like, I can't, this is really, my Bible's really heavy, but it's just sort of like, you know, Satan comes, you know, it's like with an attack, with an accusation, it's like, on guard, you know, like, do you know what I'm saying? Like they do in the sword fight, on guard. That's where we want to be with God's word when the accusations, I'm going to show you how to do this because this can be something that can change and back down fear right now. I know it takes time to build faith. It really does. But there are some things right now with the sword of the spirit that can back down some of the, some of the fear and the accusations of the accuser. One of the things, have you noticed through the series we've been talking about it, there is power in speaking the word and speaking the promises of God. We saw it with Abraham, right, when we opened. Abraham is the father of faith. God told Abraham to change his name to father of many nations. He had no children and he was 100. So he went around telling people, hi, I'm father of many nations. Oh, yeah? How many kids you got? Well, none. You know, I would think, right, if you introduced yourself that way, somebody might be curious. Oh, you must have a lot of kids. Well, not yet. <clears throat> so we want to get where we speak with boldness what God's promises are to back down the, the accusations. So also, it says about Abraham that God calls things that be not as though they were. That's what he did with Abraham. He called him the father of many nations when he had no kids. God speaks it into being. So we want to. So I want to think. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some stuff out there as far as some of the things that come up. Some of the fears, harsh voices. Like I said, you don't deserve God helping you. God doesn't want to talk to you. Get it together before you go to God. But what you want to come back with is what the reality is. The reality is God promised he loves me. Now, I'm going to show you some things because you never want to lie to yourself. It doesn't work. If you don't believe it, don't say you believe it. But I can, I can show you some ways to work with this. Let's say you don't believe God loves you yet. Because if you believe God loves you, then you can say that. God loves me. Like if something's up against me. God wants to help me. You can say that, right, if you believe it. Do you, do you believe God loves you? You can say that when, when you're up against it. One of the things that um, was going on for me that really helped me was when I had uh, uh, cancer, breast cancer, three years ago. It was scary. And I knew that I wasn't in the place where I had the faith, because I believe that healing is available from God, Amen is right. I believe God's promises healing 100% of the time. You don't need to deserve it. You don't earn it. There is nothing, nothing, nothing in the word. Jesus didn't turn around away any people for healing, but it takes faith. I believe God has the power to do miraculous instantaneous healings. I've seen it with my own eyes. I believe that. But I'll tell you what I had a hard time believing. I had a hard time believing that it was going to happen for me. 
that I would get instantaneously. I just, you know, I mean, realistically, I'd be fooling myself if I said, I believe I'm getting healed. I didn't. It was just too, it was just too, my faith just wasn't there. Because, you know. But what helped me in prayer was to say things in prayer, God, I know you love me. I know you want me healed. I know you don't want me to have this cancer. And to ask God to help me with my faith. But it helped build my faith, which eventually my faith got where I believe, you know, what I did believe is that the big goal, they told me my tumor was um, stage two, the size of it, they measure it. And, um, and if stage two, you need chemotherapy, stage one, you don't. And I did not want chemotherapy. So I just asked everybody to pray. And my big prayer was just that it would shrink to be in stage one. Now, cancer doesn't do that. There's no such thing as cancer shrinking. Uh, it doesn't happen. The doctors, you know, it's just not. So I was praying for a miracle, but it was the size miracle I could, like, I could believe for. You know, it was just like, it's still a miracle, but it was just sort of like it was within what I could believe God for. And God answered that prayer. Amen. Um, so I had very, very easy treatment, had a surgery. We were out at a restaurant the next day having dinner. It was, uh, for having cancer, it was about as easy of a cancer, you know, situation as it could possibly, because that's, that's what I could believe. But the way I got there was by confessing what I did believe. So let's say, so you want to confess what you believe that lines up with the word of God. God loves me unconditionally. Now, let's say you don't believe that right now. You can say, God says he loves me unconditionally. You know, God promised in his word healing. Now, when I say it's aggressive using the sword, I'm, I'm saying on guard, this is not what it looks like. God promised healing? Could you imagine if you had a sword? You, I, see, if, if, if you had a sword and you're sitting there going, like, afraid to use it, kind of timid, kind of, do you know what I'm saying? Really? Is that going to do anything with your sword? You're going to lose that battle. Do you know what I'm saying? You will lose that battle. And I'm telling you, you want to be bold with the, with the sword of the Spirit. You want to speak faith. You want to speak the truth of God's word. Say it with some boldness and some conviction. Because you, you can do that, right? You, you can get your voices loud. So we'll just, we'll try one, right? Because you want to get in the habit of this. You have a need. You say, God loves me. How about that? God loves me. Let's try it. God loves me. Woo! Yes. If you don't believe that, you say, God says he loves me. You know, you can, you can still say that boldly. God's word says he loves me unconditionally. God promises healing. Let's try that one. God promises healing. You know, you can, hey, I can read that. It's a true thing. There's no lie there. Let's go to Luke 4. We'll see how Jesus did this. Luke 4 in verse 1. 
It says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Verse 2, it says, Being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterwards, when they ended, he was hungry. Well, that's not a big surprise after 40 days. Um, I would think he's more than a little hungry. I don't know if you, I've, you know, I don't know the longest that you guys have fasted, but uh, 40 days is a long time. And then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Ooh. If, come on, Satan knew he's the son of God. Really? Satan's going to try to get you to doubt who God says you are. God says you're his child. I'm a child of God. I belong to God. How many times has Satan got you to question who you are and who God's made you to be? I'm telling you, the accuser, harsh voices, harsh self-talk. We're going to talk about that at the Brain Makeover series, too. Um, and then he says, <laughs> again, remember the whole idea of, of things connecting that aren't really connecting. If you're the son of God, make that stone to be bread. Because if you don't, then guess what? You're not the son of God. Now, really, are those two things connected? That, that, that he is not the son of God unless he commands a stone to be made bread. Those two things are not connected. But how many times do you get like, oh, God doesn't love you because you didn't, you know, get the man that you wanted, or whatever. You know, I think romance. We got the dating workshop coming up, so it's like everything's about. <laughs> you know, we got a lot of actors. God doesn't love you because you didn't get this movie deal. Really, those the two things aren't connected. You know, God's not for you. God's not fighting for you. Really. It's just as, you know, that's how Satan, but have you ever had that happen for you where you connected those two things? God doesn't love me because I shouldn't have gotten cancer to begin with. My Bible says Satan is the author of death and sickness. That's what my Bible says. God's got nothing to do with it. And then it says, in verse 4, but Jesus answered him saying, it is written. Bam! See? Quotes the word. And we're going to see that. He uses a sword, man. He's just like bold. He's like not wussy with it. Like it is written. Bam! On guard with the sword. Aggressive. It says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you in their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. That's one of the reasons there's a few verses like this particular, Jesus didn't say, no, you're not. You can't give me that authority. Because guess what? Satan had it to give him. Satan being the god of this world, that was a real offer. He's like, I got the power to give you all the kingdom and all the power that I got. He didn't go liar, you know. Oftentimes, it's interesting in these temptations because these are the same ways that Satan tempts us today 
don't trust God, I'll give you something in the material world to put your trust in instead of God, right? God's not going to meet your needs. God's not going to be there for you. Here, why don't you focus over here on all the kingdoms of the world? So then it says, um, therefore, if you worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered him and said, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, bam, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then, then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle in the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, there's another one, throw yourself down. Really? And people will do that. Again, it's the same thing as far as people. And then he, here's what he does in verse 10. He says, Satan says, for it is written. Guess what? Satan knows the Bible, guys. But he took it out of context. Satan can manipulate scriptures by pulling things that aren't relevant because he's pulling the right scripture. It's true. He says, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. He goes, the Bible says that, so throw yourself off this building, Jesus. You know? A lot of people, you know, it's funny because have you ever had that where, again, where things where somebody's saying, well, you can do self-destructive things, and if God loves you, he'll still be there for you in it. So it says, um, uh, in, in verse 12, it says, And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, which is actually, he's quoting Deuteronomy right here. So it's the same as it is written. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And so that's the thing, too, is, a lot of times people think and relate where, where they relate to God as if he's a genie in a bottle. God is God of all creation. He is not ours to command. You know, it's not like dance, monkey dance, you know, no. Do you know what I mean? Like, really? You know, I mean, that's essentially what Satan was trying to get Jesus to do, to speak to God that way. You know? Let's, um, it is written, it is written. Let's go to Psalm 3. Here's what I want to do, because um, I want to read you, and then we're going we're gonna to do some stuff here, some more stuff. I want you to think right now, too, about areas of your life that you've had fear that it's hard to trust God in this. You know, just think right now. You know, where areas that you have a hard time having faith or believing God will be there for you? where there are fears. I want you to just think about that for a little bit. And we're going to read in Psalm 3 in verse 1. Oh, the other thing I forgot to mention about the sword too. The sword of the Spirit, because we had talked about sometimes fears are based on reality, sometimes not reality. It also says that it also calls God's word a light. That's another thing that it calls the word of God. So the word of God also sheds light on what's real and what's not real and helps us separate out those things as well. Um, but here's in Psalms, this is, this is uh, David, he wrote a lot of the Psalms. 
And this is a time that was really rough because he had his son kind of against him and Absalom and um, David definitely had times of having his enemies, <laughs> like on numerous occasions actually. Uh, and yet David was a man of faith who really trusted God. God called him a man over after his own heart. He is kind of the great king in the Bible that they speak. Everything's sort of compared to David. In fact, the the fact that Jesus was, you know, is a king comes from the that he is a descendant of, of King David. Um, you know, and you see that in the genealogy in Matthew of how they do it. And so this is a psalm, and a lot of times, like, which is a prayer. And a lot of times when we pray, we think of asking God for things, right? I mean, think about what your prayers sound like. A lot of it's, God, help me with this. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Help me with that. Help me with this, blah, blah, blah. But I want to show you that a lot of prayers in the Bible are speaking faith and speaking the, the, the word of God in your prayer. Being bold in saying, but God. So we're going to take a look at some of that in Psalm 3 and verse 1. It says, Lord, how they have... How they have increased to trouble me. And this is true. I mean, imagine getting people um, against you in those kind of numbers. Many are they who rise up against me. And verse 2, many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. You know, he's, he's got people saying, God's not going to help you. God's not going to be there for you. You know, planning doubts, saying things like that. But you, O Lord, in verse 3, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. See this prayer? You, Lord, are a shield, my glory, and the ones who, you lift up my head. In verse 4, I cry to the Lord with my voice. So there's room for crying in prayer too. And he heard me from his holy hail, Selah. I lay down and slept, I awoke, and the, for the Lord sustained me. And then it says in verse uh, 6, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Woo! That's some boldness. If ten thousands, I'm not going to be afraid who set themselves against me. You ever gotten, I've gotten fearful because one person's been against me. You ever had, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just funny because, I'm, oh yeah, you know, where you ever get somebody that's against you and you're like, what did I do wrong? It must be me. And it's not. Just because somebody didn't like you does not mean that you're wrong. They threw Jesus out for healing a guy. I'm sure he must have. He had feelings, guys. He had feelings. What would it have been like to be Jesus, to be healing people, heal the guy with demons, and have people say, get out of our town. We don't want you here. You know, what would have happened if he had doubts and went, oh, well, I must be doing something wrong. Maybe I'm not really supposed to do this, actually. Do you know what I'm saying? But how many times when we're doing the things of God that are clear, we go, well, must not, oh, somebody got mad. I guess I shouldn't be doing this. Thank God Jesus didn't get taught, you know, bagged down because people were, you know, saying, get out of town. We don't like you healing. You know, where he stayed the course. Couldn't have been fun, though, having people, you know, oppose him like that. It says in verse 7, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. 
for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone <laughs> and broken the teeth of the ungodly. I have, it's my worst nightmare, breaking teeth. Haven't done that, but somehow. <laughs> it's a fear, ridiculous fear. Um, <laughs> and then it says in 8, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Your blessings upon your people. Sometimes that verse, you know, there's a verse that says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. You know, it's a good promise to be saying. So I want you to think right now, you know, we're going to talk about whatever the fears are, wherever it is that's hard for you to believe. And think about what are the promises that you can say that will help you to have faith. Say things at least that you believe. I'm not saying that, you know, like, you, like I say, you can either say God promises it or things that you believe. God loves me. God gave his son for me. God wants to help me. God is bigger than my problem. Do you believe that? God is bigger than my problem. Whatever that problem is, God is bigger than my problem. Nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that? Do you know what I, these are things you could say. Nothing is impossible with God. I'm just giving you some you could use. God is good. Do you believe that? God is faithful. God is for me. God is for me. God promises healing. I don't have to deserve it. Christ paid for it. I believe God wants me healed. So think about some things like that. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to pray. And I want you to meditate on this. But I want you, because we want to do steps forward. Like, you hear God's word. It's the word of God. It's, it's quick, powerful. It's alive. So God's got to be stirring some things in your heart, right? Right now. So I want you, when you do that, when God's speaking to you in this way, you want to walk out and do something with it. So I want you to be thinking about that for this week, at least once a day, to notice when you're thinking thoughts of fear or harsh voices. Just notice. Because sometimes, you know, we, like, we just ignore stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? You've had that happen, right, where it's eating at you and eating at you, and you just kind of shove it down because they're bad feelings, but you just sort of truck along like a tank, you know, whether the fears come up. So part of it is, in order to come again, it doesn't help those thoughts to ignore them. Have you noticed that? Just shove stuff down, right? And the fears don't go away. And usually they show up someplace else. So we want to, first, you got to notice them first. Notice the thoughts that come up. Notice the fears that come up to come against them with the sword of the Spirit. So at least once a day to notice when you're thinking thoughts of fear or harsh voices and interrupt it with speaking a promise of God and speak it boldly. You know? And, hey, it works to say it to other people, too. It does. It really does. It works to say it to other people. You know, it helps. That's the whole thing about sharing faith. So if you want to, like, if you want to do the faith building and connect a few, you know, speak the word, speak it to somebody else, that kind of thing. So let's, so let me pray. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful for your love and your goodness. 
that you are a God of love. You're a good God that's for us, that fights for us, and that you want us to get that. It sucks that the enemy sometimes tricks us into thinking that you're not for us and that you don't love us and that we don't deserve it. That it is that you sent your only begotten son for us unconditionally and that you say that he that spared not his own son but gave him freely up for us all, how shall he not freely give us all things? That if you gave us your son, God, that you're definitely willing to do the other things in our life. Help us to remember that. Help us to be bold in speaking your word, to speak it out loud. God, that, that can help us to walk in faith and not fear. Amen.